1974. I was filled with such excitement. Why? I had found truth, or I should say, truth had found me. This is more accurate. I felt part of something, something that was bigger than myself. I could read in the pages of the Bible God's plan for my life. I found a purpose for living, something that had a future. I was God's new creation, creating for his purpose. Look out. I was on fire. I wanted to tell everybody about my newfound joy. I told friends and yelled at family members, wake up! Started a Bible study at work in Spanish, and many of you know I do not speak Spanish very well. Only God can figure that one out. But thank God it was my father's business, so I had grace there. Sandy and I would take people to the colleges to witness, to witness of this newfound life that we both had found. The word was burning in our hearts. We had to speak of God's grace and the fellowship that was available to all. That's right, we were Bible bashers, holding up the Bible and encouraging people to come to faith. We stopped anyone that would stop and listen to us. We were filled with joy being part of the family of God, called to be ambassadors for him. He didn't care how we looked or how we spoke or how we dressed. He just cared that we made ourselves available. I wanted to live in unity with him. I wanted to be part of what he wanted. I wanted to be pleasing to the creator of all the world. I was part of something good and I was alive. You may ask, what happened? <laughs> Children. <laughs> Children came and things sort of like came down a little bit. Couldn't go out every night. Couldn't go to every fellowship, had to start schedule of time. But thank God for children. They are a gift from the Lord. <clears throat> this morning I would like to talk to you about unity within the body of Messiah. And I have three points I would like to make. As Israel was called to live in unity, so was the body of Messiah called to live in unity. Number two. How do we, as part of the body of Messiah, accomplish unity? And the sub subject to that is, how do we resolve conflict? And the third one is, love is what motivates us to unify ourselves. You have to excuse me. Let's begin. As Israel was called to unity... And so has the body been called to unity. How do we know Israel was called to unity? We read in Psalm 133, 1. If we, there it is. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers, brethren to dwell together in unity. Anybody know that phrase? That's the phrase, Hinei matovu manayim. That's right. It's a song we sing here at Tikvah. Are you ready to sing it? The worship team, a part of the worship team is going to go up there and play a few bars. And if we can have, there it is, if we can have the, uh, 
the song listed up on the uh, screen, that would be wonderful. And David's going to lead us. such excitement every time it's sung from the worship team. It's almost like we're demanding for unity to take place here and now. Everyone is clapping, dancers are dancing, and the worship team is playing all to join God's visions of brothers dwelling together in unity. What a life, what a song, words that bring such joy. Coming together, enjoying music, and being one in song God's song. In one translation of Psalm 133.1, it states, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell in harmony. Harmony is an interesting description of unity. Harmony is a musical term to describe a chord with two or more notes. Notes being played simultaneously, as we saw David doing, to create a chord progression and to provide rhythm for a melodic line that we all sang, we all sang as they played. A chord provides movement and life to a piece of music. Something when heard makes you want to join in, whether by singing, dancing, or playing an instrument. You want to be involved, you are drawn in. Have you ever heard the term, it is music to my ears? That is harmony. We are to make music with our lives, living in harmony with one another, with each other, lifting up each other, praying for each other, and encouraging one another. Everyone has heard the term, it is, oh, I did that. To create harmony here at Tikvot, Israel, is the responsibility of us all. Each member is to participate and become part of the community, utilizing the gifts God has provided you with. Remember, you are bought with a price, and your life is not your own. We need to work at creating harmony among ourselves, such as we practice to play, to play music. 
In the same way that the nation of Israel was called to unity, the body of Messiah was also called to unity. My second point is how, how do we, as part of the body of Messiah, accomplish unity? Our, our example of living in harmony is Yeshua. And if we can bring up Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Messiah Yeshua, who being in the form of God, <clears throat> excuse me, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. Another a translation, he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbles himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. How did Yeshua learn this obedience? If we can bring up Hebrews 5.8, please. It says, although he was a son, although he was the son, only God's only begotten son, he learned obedience from the things which he has suffered. He didn't have an easy life either. He suffered. What were some of the things that he suffered? He suffered rejection, verbal abuse, threats of death, accused as a false prophet, false messiah, betrayed by friends. Obedience to God will lead our, our congregation to unity. He was tempted, Yeshua, in all points, as we are, yet he was without sin. Our attitude should be, as Messiah was, to empty ourselves and be obedient to him. What does it mean to empty yourself? One, take our will separate from God's will out of the equation. It's sort of like if you come to when you first come to Tikvah and you're thinking of becoming a member and you, maybe you're gifted in a certain area, and maybe musically, and you would like to be able to, to play on the worship team. All right? And so you may want to ask David or you want to, may ask Rabbi David to, to be able to get a spot on the worship team. But maybe the Lord comes back through the leaders and says the, his response is not at this time. So what do we do? Do we just get mad? throw our hands up in the air and leave? Or do we accept the will of the Lord as being brought through either the rabbi or the worship leader? So we put our will aside and we allow the will of God to take place. Because we, at the time, you may not know the benefit of it, but we sure will know the benefit as we stay faithful to the will of God. Number two, become a bondservant for Messiah, trusting in him, how do we become a bond? How do we trust in him? How do we have faith in him? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. It's your responsibility to build a faith in your life. It's your responsibility to build trust in your life. It's not anyone's else, other's responsibility. It's your own. We are mature believers. Number three, we are to humble ourselves and become obedient to him, recognizing who he is, and who we are. He is a creator of the universe. We are part of his creation. It's an example that Paul uses. Who are you 
that is a created vessel. There's vessels of honor and there's vessels of dishonor. You know, these clay vessels. Number four, allowing him to be the head of the body, allowing the body to function as he sees fit, placing people to function as a unit as he has designed. Mark 10.45 says, Yeshua said he did not come to be served, but to, but to serve and gave his life a ransom for many. To be called to the body of Messiah is to serve one another in unity. And the second part of two is conflict resolution. I once read somewhere, someone said, where two or more are gathered together, there will be conflict. Sometimes there's unity, sometimes there's conflict. But if there are two or more together, there will be conflict. I think there is some truth to this. Well, I would like to believe a healthy Messianic congregation would be conflict-free with everyone in one accord. It is not so. The New Testament reveals even the apostles were not immune to conflict. Conflict is not necessarily a bad thing. Conflict can be the result of sin, but is also the reality of our seeing only in part. Sometimes we just have differing points of view. Disagreements and discords are simply part of the human condition, rebellion that bounds in our hearts. As long as the synagogue is comprised of humans, there will be conflict. While con conflict can be a beneficial, such as bringing together theological points of view, it has the potential to be damaging to both the synagogue and the individuals involved. With any adversity, either it can make us better or bitter. How we approach conflict may be the factor that determines whether our synagogue is strengthened or shattered. We are the ones who determine the results. If we have conflict between two individuals which cannot be solved, it is suggested that we bring in a third party to act as a mediator, as stated in Matthew 18. The goal is reconciliation, not separation. Restoring understanding between people in disagreement. Conflict is a fact of life for everyone, whether resulting from sin or from differing viewpoints. If we really believe that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, we will apply God's grace and resolve and restore our differences for the betterment of all following Matthew 18. Which brings me to my last point. Love is what motivates us to live in unity. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2, please. Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called with all lowliness, humility, and gentleness, with long-suffering, patience, bearing one another in love. What, is, what Paul is trying to explain here is what God has done for us in chapters 1 through 3. Here and here are some of the points, not all, but some. One, excuse me. Messiah has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, predestined us 
to be his children, redeemed us by his blood, forgave our trespasses, revealed the Father's mystery hidden in time that Jew and Gentile are part of the same body and that the spirit of Messiah dwells in us, reconciling both unto himself. And we are strengthened by his power in the inner man and many, many more benefits that are listed. God's love has been poured out on us, so we should pour out God's love on others. It's a circle of life, my friends. God has designed, freely you have received, therefore freely what? Give. Freely you have received. As the scriptures say, you didn't receive anything that you worked for. Freely you have received, therefore freely give. In Ephesians 4.3, if you may bring that up, please. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. We need to work at this unity. It's not something that just happens. It's like a marriage. A marriage, those that are married know that a marriage has to be worked between both parties. They have to communicate, they have to console each other, they have to cry with each other, and they have to laugh with each other. But sometimes there will be conflict within a marriage. And to resolve conflict in a marriage is sometimes to sit down and look at it from the point of view of what the Bible says a marriage is, okay? And then we discuss between our mates how we feel and we listen to how they feel. It's the same as we are here at, 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 the, at the synagogue. We are to listen to the disagreements of others. We may not agree with it, but they have a right to their freedom. They have a right for their freedom of speech. God's love is our motivating factor of doing things. In 1 Corinthians 13.3, it's called the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. In verse 3, it says, Although I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. You can do all the works that you want to do. You can feed the poor. You can go to prison ministries. You can clean floors. You can do buildings. But if you do not do it with the love of God in your heart, there's no benefit. There will be benefit to others, but there's no benefit to yourself, Sheldon says. We can do all these outward displays of good works, but if we're not motivated by love, it's no profit. Unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor what? in vain, to no purpose. God has to be at the center of everything we do. He has to be at the center of our worship. He has to be the center of our families. He has to be at the center of our work. He has to be at the center of our friendship. What, what does that mean? Does that mean to separate yourself from everything that you are involved in? No, it's to recognize that God is the creator of all the world. He resides in all the world. He's involved in all the world. He is who he is. He's Lord of the whole world. 
Sometimes we think that God works in certain areas. He works only in synagogues and churches, and outside of that, he doesn't work. No, he works in the whole world. He's God over all the world. God, Messiah Yeshua is over all the believers. God, uh, Yeshua, Messiah is the, the, the Messiah of all the people in the world. He's, he's the Messiah over Muslims. He's the Messiah over Orientals. He's the Messiah of all people. It's how we perceive that, that lordship. It's as Mary brought in such that beautiful drash, that when she finally recognized who Hashem was, she was able to have that relationship with him. And she understood what does it mean to walk with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, Now abideth faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love because love never fails. So now we talked this morning, as Israel was called to unity, so is the body of Messiah being called to unity. How do we accomplish unity? And how do we resolve conflict? And love is a motivating factor. Shabbat Shalom. Let's pray. Thank you.